BG Mania, a video game music podcast for February 12th, 2020, is made possible by Level Down Games. Check us out over at leveldowngames.com for the latest reviews and brand new episodes of both BG Mania, a video game music podcast every Wednesday, and Max Level, a video game podcast every Monday. On with the show. video game music podcast brought to you by level down games i'm brian joined as always by frank what up players the uh the the new york guard is it the guardians the new york guardian yes. himself yeah the old rep in that xfl as i sit here and watch the st louis battle hawks take on the uh the dallas renegades xfl's great i'm enjoying it <laughs> Really it's enjoying it. Dan and I talked a little bit about it on the Max Level podcast this uh, past Monday as well, if you listen to both of our uh, podcasts. But if this is your first time stumbling upon our neck of the Lost Woods in BGM land, welcome. BG Mania is a cornucopia of extra special music that we hold dear, both from the days of our childhood through modern consoles and new releases. That's right. We focus on retro to current games with everything, and we do mean everything included in between, which you'll find out later on in the show today. What we like to do here at BG Mania is challenge ourselves to never play the same track more than once, except for special occasion episodes, which will always be announced in advance. So you're guaranteed to hear something new, something fresh, and something exciting each and every week. As always, we hope you enjoy the episode we have lined up for your listening pleasure today. Do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us and leave that five-star rating and a review so we continue to climb the charts in terms of search results. I just want to take a quick moment to personally thank every single listener that we have of BG Mania, of our Max Level podcast, our all-purpose gaming podcast every Monday on podcast services, and of course, anyone that actually reads anything that we post over on our website, leveldowngames.com. We set a daily record for BG Mania downloads this past week. Uh, I was kind of blown away to see exactly how many downloads we had in a single day. I never like to personally talk about our stats and give away anything like that, but just seeing the thousands of downloads that we had in a single day really did warm my heart and you know I, just seeing things like that just reaffirms that we're doing something right we don't do a lot of things right in life but we're doing something right <laughs> just a couple things here and there a couple things here and there we do get right from time to time and uh i was looking at some of the stats on podbean 
Uh, I'm blown away by how well our Super Mario Odyssey episode has been doing as of the past few months. That episode is getting hundreds of sometimes over a thousand clicks on Spotify every single week, man. And it's it's so heartwarming to see that. So we're going to we're going to plan something special for Mario Odyssey here in a little while. But and I am replaying it. You know, oh, I shouldn't say replaying it. I went back to playing it uh, because I never did finish it. Uh, too much to Frank's dismay, I actually stopped playing that uh, like the second month after it came out. And I literally was only two or three kingdoms in, got back in and I'm now at the Metro Kingdom, which is really cool, Frank. I will say the first time you get there and it's raining and you have that like caterpillar thing on the tower. That's exactly where I am. Like literally before we started recording, I stopped at the very start of the Metro Kingdom. So uh, you're close. No, it's it's such a cool, uh, such a cool design in terms of that kingdom and like the aesthetic. But I, as I've been talking about on our Discord server uh, in our in our private staff channel, I do still prefer Mario 64 and Mario Galaxy because I think the uh, direction they took Odyssey, just the scope of that game and the fact that they padded it with those moons just for the sake of padding it, I, I don't necessarily agree with because it's just too much. Some of these kingdoms are too big. I do like things more confined and focused. I just feel like, you know, you're out there wandering around for no specific reason. But that's a topic for a whole nother episode. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about it on the Max Level podcast as well because I did make a promise to Frank that I would finish Mario Odyssey in, uh, in February, so I will do that. I'm actually going to do that this week, most likely. But what we're talking about for BG Mania this week is the year 1994. And 1994 was a, a pretty good year for video games. Not not necessarily a good year for a lot of other things, which I'll talk about here in a little bit, but uh, it, it was a pretty damn good year in terms of high profile video game releases. And what's unfortunate about this episode is that we've already played a lot of the heavy hitters oh, yeah. from 1994 on the episode in the past. Uh, but there are several that we have here that are still heavy hitters and are some really iconic tunes like that opening track that you just played, which was your first pick on the episode. Uh, and that was from Sonic 3. That was Hydrocity Zone. Um, one of my all time favorite games. Yeah, that bad boy did with Sonic and Knuckles. You're set. Um, the composer for that one is Mr. Michael Jackson. One of them. One of one of like 500. But uh, for your full list of people. Oh, sorry. February 2nd, 1994 is when it came out. I have in no particular order. Brad Buxer, Sorocco Jones, Bobby Brooks, Daryl Ross, Jeff Grace, Doug Grisby, Sachi Ogawa, Tetsuya Mayo, June Sunel, and Michael Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sonic 3 uh, definitely has a lot of composers attached to it. And as we know, because we have talked about Sonic 3 in the past, a lot of those guys are just like the entourage for Michael Jackson. Um, you know, that just kind of help him out when when writing and composing music or whatever. But what a freaking iconic tune, man. Like that is that is such an iconic piece of music. I'm surprised we haven't actually played that. I, that was one Sonic of the biggest 3. shocks of me looking, you know, because we have a master list of everything we ever played. I was looking at the master list. It's like, wow, we really haven't touched much of Sonic 3. We touched some Sonic and Knuckles, which also is the Sonic 3 music. But yeah, Sonic there, itself, there, there are a Sonic. lot of similarities between the two. But there are some tracks that are exclusive to Sonic and Knuckles. And there's, yeah, there's there's ones that are exclusive to both games. That's why I had to actually like hunker down for which one I was going to take. Right, right. But, but, but 94 was damn good in gaming. Uh, that was seventh grade for me. And seventh grade 
is when I was playing video games everyone. That's how I forged most of my friendships was going to people's houses and playing their video games and then being kicked out by their parents later on. <laughs> Go home, Frank. 94 was a really good year as we as we kind of talked about for for video games and you know just looking at some websites like this one I found here that that it's their personal like you know what are the top 10 games of 1994 you know number 10 for them was Mega Man X which was a great game number 9 Sonic the Sonic 3 as we just played a track from number 8 Earthworm Jim which you're not going to hear today but still phenomenal which was composed by uh, Tommy Tallarico right pretty sure that was was Tommy Uh, 7 the King of Fighters which I know Frank is a huge fan of as you know like a a arcade fighting game 6 Street Fighter 2 Turbo we're not going to hear that today Tekken in the arcades Donkey Kong Country we actually did play Donkey Kong Country this past Monday on Max Level as our preview for BG Mania, but we're not going to hear that today. Super Metroid, number three, not going to hear that today. <laughs> Final oh, Fantasy yeah. VI, we will hear today. We'll hear that a little bit later. And then uh, number one, SimCity 2000, which we'll not hear today either. I thought about picking it, to be honest. Really? Was, Earthbound, was Earthbound 94 or is, or is that just the... Earthbound was 94. It was 95 here in North America, but we will hear that. So I will say... All right, my man. I tipped your hat. There you go. Yeah, how, how we... Uh, how we choose our music when we uh, focus on a specific year is that we go by original release date. So it could be any territory, but it has to be the original release date. So Earthbound, which originally released in Japan, came out in 1994. Had that originally released in Japan in 1993, but then came out in North America in 94, it wouldn't have counted. We go by the original release year in the original territory that it first released in. And that's how we choose our music. So, and I think it just makes sense to do it that way because then you know these tracks were composed in that year, which That's is the whole point of these episodes. So, we want to play music from that specific year. So, that is the whole point. But I am going to kick off my first track on this 1994 episode with a game that really means a lot to me and is probably one of our least strong tracks and least strong games on the entire episode today, which is kind of kind of why I'm getting it out of the way. But I, I will talk about why uh, this game does mean so much to me when we come back and, you know, prepare to get sappy, emotional, whatever, for a few minutes when I do get there. But it is a personal story for me. So uh, the game is WWF Raw on the SNES. And the name of the track is Royal Rumble Results.
And that was Royal Rumble results from WWF Raw, which released on the SNES version, the version that I did play. It released on like pretty much every platform that was available at the time in 1994. But uh, I, I chose the SNES version because that is the one that I owned. Uh, November of 1994, four different composers on that uh, soundtrack could not find a breakdown of who was responsible for what, just because the uh, the game isn't that like popular. And well, actually, when I was when I was doing some research into it, man, a lot of people didn't actually own this game and people said it was hard to find. So I was surprised that, you know, this is something that I literally had on day one. Uh, composed by Dean Morrill, Mark Gannis, Kingsley Thurber, and Scott Freeman. Now, obviously, and Frank Hart? and I... And Jimmy Hart. No, it was not done by Jimmy Hart, as a lot of the uh, uh, pieces of, like, entrance music and theme music was done back in the day, and then it would eventually become Jim Johnson. Uh, now it's CFO, or I think they might even be gone. I don't know who's doing it now. But um, the reason that this game is so, like, ingrained in my memory and one of my favorite SNES games of all time, and we make no, you know, there's no qualms about it. Frank and I are huge wrestling fans. Uh, Frank still does prefer WWE over most things, but I've leaned more toward AEW and NWA power now. But, you know, at the core of things, at the heart of things, we are still big professional wrestling fans. Like, we enjoy it on a weekly basis. Of course. Um, back in the, uh, the you know, mid to late 90s, the Attitude Era was just getting, well, not mid 90s, but I guess like 97 is when the Attitude Era really got started uh, and still is like the golden age period of wrestling. But uh, as I said, you know, this game does hold a special place in my heart and it is like sort of like a, a personal story. But um, as a lot of people know who who know me and maybe some listeners know, because I think I have mentioned it before on different podcasts, whether it be Max Level or BG Mania at, at one point. My my dad actually passed away in 1994, passed away in May of 1994 from a car accident. And video games and the SNES really did help me get through some, you know, major grieving periods of my life. You know, I was playing like A Link to the Past and uh, Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart, all these games that I had on the SNES, uh, getting ready for the PlayStation, which would come out the very next year in 1995. But, you know, the SNES and the Genesis were were my jam at the time. And my mom and I, you know, after my dad passed away, we had a house that we could no longer afford. So we had to move into uh, a much cheaper townhome. And I made some really good friends there. And my buddy Ken across the street, who I'm still in contact with to this day, but I wish we were better friends uh, like we were back then. You know, he, he just lives in a different part of the, uh, of the area now. And we just kind of went our separate ways, but we do still keep in touch from time to time. Him and I, and then our buddy Marcus down the street, we used to uh, throw down on WWF Raw after it came out in 94, like literally every day after school, every day on the weekends. Like this was our game that we played for six, oh, yeah. nine months straight. Usually, Brett, I usually went with Brett Hart or Shawn Michaels. Um, I, was I, I, did, I, was, I was guessing Shawn Michaels, but okay. I, I did enjoy playing as the one, two, three kid as well. Uh, his moveset was, you know, their movesets obviously weren't drastically different back then on the SNES, but he had a few things that made him unique just because he was the uh, the smallest character on the roster. But what I liked about WWF Raw is that you could also play as Luna Vachon, who I used to play, uh, yes. used to pick a lot as well. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow uh, was also in the game, and I, I really did enjoy listening to his music, uh, like his entrance music. I, I've always enjoyed his uh, Bam Bam. Uh, legitimately, bam, bam. again, 94 is seventh grade for me. I had Luna Vachon, Bam Bam Bigelow, and all these guys, like all, all these posters, up in my locker as a kid. Like I, I was always a wrestling geek. Yeah, no. See, '94 was second grade for me, so um, 
it was just like I said, it just was a time in my life that it was really hard for me to get through. Uh, it took me a while to get over my dad passing away and video games like this and ones that really were multiplayer in nature. Because I don't I don't play a lot of multiplayer games, but this one really did bring myself and my my two closest friends together at the time. And, you know, we just had so much fun with that. And that's that's why this game will always be ingrained in my memory. Like I said, the tracks, not not the best. I mean, it's it's good for what it is. It's the like the result screen after you do a Royal Rumble match in the game, but you know, it, it, it is just basic generic background music, but that it still holds a special place in my heart. You know, that's how it is. In fact, my next game is a game that I had, I have a story with as well. It's a game I rented a few, a, lot, a few times at my sister and she actually kicked my ass in this game. So that's why we don't own it because I would not buy a game that I can't win. Uh, <laughs> from Mega Man Soccer, this is Woodman. And that was Woodman from Mega Man Soccer, which came out in Japan February 17th, 1994 and April 94 in North America. Composed yeah, by Toad. Not too long after. Yeah, it was just crazy because, you know, I thought Mega Man games normally came out here first. But who knows? Uh, it was composed by Toshio Okamoto, Norihiko Togashi, and Kenichi Tamazawa. Perfect pronunciations on each one of those, you know. I am not that familiar with Mega Man Soccer. I obviously know of this game, but I've not really heard any of the music from it. I did enjoy that a lot. So you probably know this game the same way I knew of this game before I rented, of course, was it was pretty heavily featured in Nintendo Power. Of course, yes, which is how I first saw it. It was a Nintendo Power cover. It was a Nintendo Power spread. It was a whole thing. And in my family, you know, we're big Mega Man fans. Um, not so much soccer, though. <laughs> 
Um, but it was it was a different Mega Man game that we could play multiplayer together. So my mom had no problem renting for this for me and Nicole, my sister. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, she routinely just kicked my ass. I don't get it. I'm usually pretty good at sports games. I can't wait for XFL uh, 2K21. You think there will be an XFL game? I sadly think there will be an XFL game within a year or two. Um, I mean, they, they, they never did the first time, but the league did fail so fast. But I don't know. This one, it seems like it's going to do pretty well. Who knows? But like... I'm not, 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 I don't really like soccer games in general, PES or FIFA. Like I'll play them, but they're not the best. But this was this is Mega Man Soccer. In my head, I'm thinking like Mutant League Football or Mutant League Hockey, where I would just kick my sister's ass. I'm like, okay, Mega Man Soccer. I'm just going to run through this girl. No, no. It's one of those random flukes. That's why I didn't buy this game. I probably would have bought it. I bought every other Mega Man game that came out along the way. But uh, yeah, I'm not going like to I'm not going to pay money for something that you can beat me at. Not cool. I'm a baby. I'm sorry. Um, but it's, it's fun. It, it actually is a fun game uh, when you're not playing against Nicole who cheats somehow. You know what I what I thought was interesting about this? You know, we have played the Woodman stage theme from yes. Mega Man before on the show. Sounds nothing like that. So I, are, are these? They all have in, they, they all have individualized uh, musics. I was going to say, um, but I, are I, they like individualized like arenas or stages based on the bosses from Mega Man? Is that how this works? No, no. these are just like the, um, they're like you pick certain characters to be on teams and they all have their own theme. Oh, um, so you can play as like Woodman and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like he, he, he can be like your goalie or defenders and something like that. I don't know soccer positions to be quite honest. Um, but like they all they all have their own theme. There's, there's a Mega Man theme. There's a Dr. Wily's Castle theme. So that one definitely is going to be in an arena. Um, and they all, a lot, a lot of them, this one not so much, but a lot of them like take a slight little like influence from their original and kind of work it in. This one, I just, it just sounded totally unique to the actual Woodman. So I was like, I got to play this one. It was so, like I said, it was really well done. I I thoroughly enjoyed that. Like I, I was thinking it was going to be similar to the Woodman theme that we heard uh, in what was Woodman? What, what Mega Man was that? Because I'm not as familiar. Okay, I was gonna say I'm not as familiar with Mega Man as, as you are. So I, I was thinking that we were obviously going to hear some similarities to that, but no, not at all. It was that was really cool. I like that. I'm already, I'm already planning to put Mega Man Soccer into my uh, radio hour for the end of the month. So oh, nice. I, I'm looking forward to that. Then really looking forward to that. I tried to make sure that we were covering like a, a good spectrum of platforms that were available in 1994. And obviously this episode is going to be very heavy on SNES and Genesis because those were the two predominant uh, platforms at the time. But there was a game that released in 94 that came out on the NES. And this is going to be our only NES track on the episode today from Zoda's Revenge Star Tropics 2. The name of this track is the title theme.
that was the title theme from Zoda's Revenge Star Tropics 2. Came out March 1994 only in North America. This was never released in any other territory. Yeah, Japan did not see this. Europe did not see this. So that's really weird since this was developed and published by Nintendo. Uh, Composed by Yoshio Hirai and Takashi Kumagawa. I have always been a big fan of Star Tropics and Star Tropics 2. I think these are fantastic games. Uh, Probably do prefer the original Star Tropics over Star Tropics 2. But I like that, you know, NES games were still coming out in 1994. Now, this was the second to last first party game to release on the NES in 94. The last one, as we know, we've mentioned it many times here on BG Mania, being Wario's Woods, the last first party game published on the NES, which I think also was in 1994, which we will not hear today either. But the official, the official last NES game was uh, Just Dance 2021. <laughs> yeah, it's still coming out there. <laughs> Exactly. But what was cool about Star Tropics 2 is that throughout the game, you got to meet these historical characters like Cleopatra and uh, Leonardo da Vinci, people like King Arthur. And I, I, you know, being a big history buff, even as a child, I was a history buff. And I didn't play this game when it first came out in 94. I think I eventually played Star Tropics 2, maybe 96 or 97. But, you know, I've always been big into history. There's actually, I don't know, Frank, if you're familiar with the uh, John Adams series on HBO, but there's a uh, a series starting on the History Channel on the 16th, the day before President's Day, called Washington that looks very familiar to or similar to the way John Adams was done on HBO. So I already have that set to uh, DVR. I'm really looking forward to watching that. I'm a history guy. Like history was my minor in college. You know, business uh, business management was my major. Uh, history was my minor, and I've always just been a big history guy. So the fact that we got to see some of these historical and obviously like uh, fictional characters like Merlin and uh, I guess King Arthur could be fictional, though he could be real. We have yet to prove that. So um, he's Uther Pendragon and he was real. <laughs> oh, man, this was such a good game, though. You a Star Tropics guy? You like this one? I had the Star Tropics games. I don't remember being the second one. OK, OK, I could have. Probably not. Being the title theme, that's a great title theme as well. Very catchy, very upbeat. Very, I, just, I remember it being a very colorful game, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which makes yeah. sense. Towards the, towards the end, they knew what they were doing with the their palettes and such. Oh, yeah. I mean, this again, you know, you've had years upon years of development time for NES. So, you know, the sound chip's going to sound as good as it possibly can, as will the uh, the graphics look as good as it possibly can. So, yeah, Star Tropics was a great game. And uh, I, I just was happy to still see my NES getting some love in 1994. You know, Brian, I didn't plan on this, but I also tried to venture off from the SNES Genesis land. I had a feeling you might go here next. Uh, you've inspired me. It's Judeo sometimes. You're, you're the wind beneath my butthole. What is it with you and butt? This is like two weeks in a row where you talked about buttholes on BG Mania. You trying to tell me something, Frank? Yeah, I need to. Uh, I'm, I'm at that certain age where I need to have the thing checked. I'm scared. I'm, 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 just, I'm, just outwardly, I'm just outwardly showing my fear. It's time for a colonoscopy, baby. Please, please don't. I'll just I'll, just, I'll take the cancer and die. Um... <laughs> From the hit it, yeah. video game Hotel Mario, this is Hotel One Variation Two. Thank you. 
and that was Hotel One Variation 2 from Hotel Mario, which came out April 5th, 1994 on the Philips CDI, baby. Yeah, one of the uh, greatest platforms of all time with the best Zelda games of all time. Oh, I cannot wait for everyone to play the one with Gamelon. Uh, composed we've we've by, played music by them before. We have. Uh, this was composed by Jack Levy, uh, who only really did Hotel Mario. He also um, was one of the performers in the Hotel Mario theme from Super Mario Galaxy Repainted. That's it. I totally forgot that was in there. Uh, that, that, that's all he's done. There's no other movie credits. So he, he, but he, he was just, a, he's part of the sound department. So he was just there. Yeah. And I don't even think, was was this even like published? Had, did Nintendo have anything to do with this? I highly doubt it. No, uh, what they did, you may remember this was, they just, they licensed out their characters. Yeah. I mean, they did the same thing with the Zelda games with the CDA. That's why I had a feeling that Nintendo had nothing to do with this. Yeah. So that's, that's his whole, a uh, Shaq Levy. Um, I never had a CDI, but I've played this game on CDI because uh, they have one set up at the retro game store. Um, I would have been pissed if I had a CDI growing up. <laughs> it kind of sucks. No, the games definitely are not the best on the CDI, but as we know from a few of the CDI tracks we have played here on the show, uh, it, it is pretty good in terms of the music that that it's able to put out. I mean, they it's CD, CD type quality. Yeah. yeah, CD type quality. So, I mean, even, you know, the, even though the Zelda games do suck, they the music in them is, is quite good. So I do enjoy that aspect. I really, really liked this track. I thought it was super fun, super entertaining. And Jack Levy did a or Jack Levy did a good job actually capturing the the spirit and the feel of Mario back from 1994 when Koji Kondo was just nailing things left and right. You know, like, it is a very Mario feeling track. This no, it's like you said, it's not done by Koji Kondo. And the, the, the basic premise of this game was also the same as Elevator Action um, for the NES. So I even had that kind of feel to it as well, the song. So I really liked it. It actually reminds me a lot of the um, old Saturday morning Mario cartoons, like the soundtracks that used to play in the background of those. Just and obviously, <sighs> God, you know, I miss being, those cartoons. They're still on, man. Like they're on um, if you have stars. They're on Stars Kids every like Saturday or, you know, sometimes in the morning. They they play the new adventures of Mario 3 and they also play um, uh, the other not not Cap- Captain N Game Master. Yeah, that one that also has Mario in it as well. Mario's but, on Captain N Game Master. Mario what, is. There's two different Mario cartoons. There, there's, there's there's the Mario Brothers Super Show. Captain Lou Albano. There's another one after that, though. There's 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 that. There's and, then there's, and then there's another one. Really? Yep. Well, now Frank's going to have to go on a quest to watch the Mario cartoons because both of them are on uh, Stars Kids. Let me see if I can find it here. Mario cartoons. We'll just do a quick Google live. Uh, let's see here. So, yep, we do know we have the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. That's with Captain Lou. Um, let's see here. Television. The Mario Brothers and Plumbing's their game. That's where they remember. So, the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3 is the one we already mentioned. And then the other one is called, uh, it's just called Super Mario World. Oh, it's the new Super Mario World. Okay. Wow. I never watched that. And now I feel like I need to. There's only, there's literally only 13 episodes. And it originally aired September 14th, 1991. The last episode was December 7th, 1991. And that's it. But they continuously like replay those over and over and over again. Um, I think there was only even, yeah, even um, the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3. There also was only one season of that that aired in September 8th, 1990 and ended December 1st, 1990. So both Mario cartoons literally just lasted for one season. But Star's... Uh, uh, Stars Kids, yeah, they play it on on TV as do, as do Captain and the Game Master. The only one they don't do that really makes me sad, they don't play The Legend of Zelda. Aww. 
which is my favorite one. They should be playing those Donkey Kong Country. Uh, those are terrible. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I want to go back to the Sega Genesis with my next track from a game that it surprises me that we've not had a track from because it is something that I thought, you know, you would have picked from by now being that the name of this game is basically Frank the Game. So from Booger Man, a pick and a flick adventure. <laughs> the name of this track is Flatulent Swamps. was Flatulent Frank, I mean Flatulent Swamps from Booger Man, a pickin' and a flick adventure. <laughs> I have feelings, Brian, on this audio podcast. Came out November 18th, 1994 on the Sega Genesis. It was actually exclusive to the Sega Genesis for a full year, a timed exclusive. The SNES version would come out uh, in December of 1995, uh, composed by the wonderful Matt Furness, who I always enjoy listening to his music here on the show. Uh, dude, what a funky bass line carrying that track the entire time. That is such a groovy piece of music. There's nothing bad about this game. The music, the gameplay, the colors, the, like everything is this is a really good game. No, Boogerman, I know, obviously make jokes about it, but it was a really fun game. It's rooted in a very childish humor. Uh, you know, you're with plungers and farts and boogers, but it was actually pretty innovative. Like, I generally enjoyed this game. No, I did, too. I, I never owned it. I will say I did not own Boogerman. Uh, this is actually something I used to rent from the other uh, video store. I think I only actually ended up having to rent it once or twice. Uh, I think I beat it. I was able to beat it in just one, like, rental period, but I think I rented it again because I did enjoy it so much. Uh, never did own this game, though, but I but I do greatly enjoy it. And this is a series that <laughs> it would be fun to see it return in the modern time to see how well it still does now. <laughs> to yeah. See if some of this childish humor still holds up and that kind of stuff. Plus, hey, let's get Matt Furness back and composing a sequel. And I'm, I'm all for it. 
30 years later. And if you remember, this game actually had a, a, a password a system. A password system, yeah. Where, where you had like, like, it was like the Aladdin system where you had like different creatures and you put them that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. who, uh, uh, like Mortal Kombat with their symbols, very similar to that as okay, well. Yeah, okay. I feel like I got this game and Beavis and Butthead for Genesis at the same time. I don't know if, they, if that was also 94. Uh, um, Beavis, Beavis and Butthead, I think, was 94. Um, I, I don't remember coming. I actually, no, I remember, I actually do remember coming across it on the list. Uh, Beavis and Butthead was also 1994. You're not going to hear that today either. No. Um, uh, but yeah, I definitely got these two games together. So it just definitely shows you my humor profiles right there. In a interesting that you chose the Genesis version of Beavis and Butthead over the SNES version because they are slightly different games on both platforms for Beavis and Butthead. I did play the SNES version. I think it was just the fact that they were both new games out on Genesis and I grabbed them both at the same time. Okay, yeah. Back, back, back in the old days of Toys R Us where you grab a paper and you bring it to the front. Oh, I miss yes. it so much. So good. If you're looking for a new all-purpose gaming-related podcast to listen to, look no further than the Max Level Podcast. Every Monday morning, five friends have a breakfast powwow about the hottest topics in gaming that week while discussing the games they've been spending time with over the past seven days. Featuring Brian, Frank, Sean, Kyle, and Dan from LevelDownGames.com, there's never a down moment when it comes to pertinent information or laugh-out-loud moments. They'll break down upcoming games, hidden gems, and encourage listener participation through guessing games and questions. Find the Max Level Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere else you consume your daily podcasts. And you know, let's keep with Genesis then about a game, a game that I didn't own, but I went across the street and played at my neighbor's house every day after school for a while um, from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. This is the Cyclopsis stage, also called Cyclopsis Transformation. And that was the Cyclopsis stage, also the Cyclopsis transformation at the end uh, from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on the Genesis. Uh, came out November 23rd, 1994, composed by Iku Mizutani and Kanuyo Yamashita. Yeah, freaking love that combination. Uh, both both he and she are 
fantastic components. We we actually played a lot of them from back in the. Uh, there was one episode where we played a lot of Iku Mizutani. I can't remember exactly what it was. But, I've picked uh, from this game before as well. I'm pretty sure. No, yeah, no, you definitely have. But um, the, the cave, I think, if I'm not mistaken, just yeah, the cave and the uh, the sewer level, if I'm not mistaken, no, as okay. well. Yeah, you picked from. But yeah, we we we've played a lot of uh, Iku Mizutani because it was developed by Natsume, and he was one of their like in-house composers at the time. So, and we did a Natsume episode. We did. I was telling Ryan, this is a game like I didn't own, but my neighbor across the street, um, she had younger kids, but she'd always let me come over and play the video games and, 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 and like watch her kids for her or whatever. Like, who gives a crap? I just put them to bed and I play this game over and over and over again. They also had like all the Power Rangers toys, which, you know, 12 year old me was in heaven getting to play with toys because my parents, you know, they weren't buying me toys at 12. <laughs> Because um, I have, you know, three old sisters they have to, they have to get things for, and, and I have to go and get a job, and no, not really. At twelve, <laughs> I, I was I was spoiled my entire life. I'm just playing that up for effect. But yeah, I, I would go over there and I play this game amongst others. Uh, it was just it was weird for me that like someone who's they're they're a little younger than my parents, um, and like so, so they're adults, but they're adults of video games. And before that, the only adults of video games would be my father, like playing Tetris or, or something right. like that. Okay, yeah. Like it was my first real exposure to adults playing video games, and you know they were cool. Um, they, 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 this, they, that case again. They bought me a Game Genie one year for like Christmas. Okay. And, and my parents were like freaking out, like, "How dare another person buy you video games?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not giving this back. Like, you stop." I need yeah. this. Like, this is for me. <laughs> I think that track is so freaking rocking, dude. Like, the, the whole soundtrack. The, you know I was going to say the entire soundtrack to the SNES and the Genesis version of Power Rangers. Hell, so the, good. The, the, so see, good. See, the, the whole series for Power Rangers is all rock music. Oh, that, I mean, that is true. Yeah, we've played music from other Power Rangers games here on the show before. And anytime we play something on there, relatively, it's always good and just goes to show. Like, I love Iku Mizutani and, and, and I do want to do a spotlight on him solely on him in, in the future because that Natsume episode, even though it was heavy on him, there were some other composers that uh, that we that we highlighted on that show as well. But I, I, I do want to do one on Iku Mizutani at some point in the future. I, I really do enjoy enjoy his style and just man he just he captured the feel of power rangers and made it just that genesis oh dude that genesis sound chip is so good the fm is so good on that oh yeah dude so what do you got what do you got brian how are you gonna top power rangers i am gonna top power rangers by going to a sunsoft developed and published game uh we're going ow, back to ow. the snes uh, actually, more specifically, the Super Famicom, because this game only released in Japan. But the composer of the game is, is someone that I do greatly enjoy and someone that I know is is quite popular in the uh, the gaming composition circles from a game by the name of Sugo Hibariki. I don't know if I'm saying that right. S-U-G-O-I. So I know that's Sugoi. And then H-E-B-E-R-E-K-E. Hebereki is how I'm saying it. Sugoi Hebereki. <laughs> the name of this track is Bubudori Stage.
And that was Bubudori stage from Sugoi Hebereke, which uh, we found out translates to Amazing Hebereke, um, who must be the name of a character or something in this game. Uh, came out March 11th, 1994, only in Japan. So another tease for an episode we have coming up sometime at some point. We keep talking about we're going to do a Japan-only episode at some point. Uh, as I mentioned, it's an SNES game developed and published by Sunsoft, composed by the wonderful Naoki Kodaka. And... I just love how silly and zany that track actually is. It feels very Nintendo, even though this has obviously it was on a, on a Nintendo platform, but Nintendo had nothing to do with the development or anything like that. But it just sounds like something Nintendo would have gone crazy with and, and done themselves. You know what I mean? Like the, the dogs barking, the whistles blowing, very Mario Paint-esque. <laughs> I would have never guessed this as a composer. Like you said, it's Naoki Kodaka. So like, Fester's Quest. Yeah. Actually, okay. absolutely, yeah. Naoki Kodaka, uh, you know, very famous for um, a lot of the games that Sunsoft published and developed. Uh, you know, uh, Journey to Silius was also Naoki Kodaka. He's a phenomenal composer, has a cult following in the uh, in the gaming music scene. A lot of people do appreciate him because he did just stop composing at one point, and then that was it. Like, he was done. So it would be, 80, you know, 86 to 02, and then he's done. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, literally just fell off the, uh, fell out, fell out of the industry and is still out there, still alive, still doing something, just not composing for games. I had to look him up. I was like, wait a second. I think it's the Fester's Quest guy. And it's the first thing that popped up. So yeah, um, no, absolutely. Yeah. Sunsoft. But just dude, the fact that that track, like I said, it's so freaking silly. But for a game that is very, as you talked about, we listed very, it is very kawaii. And I would play this. It deals. It looks like it deals with like some type of like animal sumo wrestling or something. Uh, it, it just looks adorable. And, and the track just nails the uh, the feel of that game. Boo Boo Dory, your uh, name in school. In fact, this was actually uh, tied to Mr. Gimmick. Okay. Which uh, is, an, I, think, I think it was Europe only, wasn't it? I don't think we got that here in the States. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we got that here either. So, yeah. They hate us. That's what it is. <laughs> they hate us because they ain't us. Um, I said anus. Um, something something with you and buttholes, man. I don't know what it is. It all keeps circling back around. Yeah, I'm starting to get scared. I'm starting to get scared. You know what? I say we hit it with the heaviest hitter we got from the biggest game to release in 1994. Oh, this better not be Shaq Fu. This is the lab. From Shaq Fu. <laughs> <laughs>
And that was a lot from Shaq Fu. Uh, it came out October 20th, 1994. Were you trying to be Shaq? I can't do it, Shaq. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, October 28th, 1994, composed by Raphael Gesqua. Um, This game was so popular that they kickstarted a, a sequel, which is even bigger and better than the original. <laughs> You play, you play as the ultimate ninja warrior himself, um, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh-huh. Um, and you are joined by your friends. I, I don't want to talk about Shaq Fu. This game fucking sucked. Um, <laughs> we, don't normally, we don't normally swear on the show, but I'm leaving it in because the game was shitty. <laughs> That's why I was like, the biggest release is better not be Shaq Fu. And sure enough, it was Shaq Fu. You know what's funny, though? Even though we crap all over that game and it, it really did suck. That's a good track. I I always like that. I really do. Like where we find a good track out of something that just like, why, why are we playing Chat Fu? Come on now. Um, like th- things like that. It's it's the true definition of like a hidden gem. Because yeah, no, you have, absolutely. Because you have to suffer through this just dismal excuse of a game that why they have to make this game. Why did Chat cause out to come up with a rap album at the same time? I don't get it. <laughs> Speaking of hidden gems, though, uh, we, we did get a lot of positive feedback on our Crusader of Senti episode last week. A lot of people reached reached out to me that had never heard of that game, never heard of them, you know, any of the tracks from that game that that ended up being one of our uh, quickly one of our more popular episodes of all time. So I was hoping it would be. I was hoping it would be. So thank you so much for that. I've honestly listened to that episode three times already. It's really good. Yeah. Like I said, the entire soundtrack is so phenomenal. And I'm glad that the reception to that episode, like I said, that's the day that we set a daily download record for BG Mania. And uh, I, I was truly humbled by that. So thank you. And I'm I'm glad that I was able to share a lot of that music with you out there. But yeah, Shaq Fu, um, a game that I did play when it came out, roughly. So I, maybe a couple months after, I think I rented it at the local store. Uh, whenever I saw it on the shelf, I was like, what the hell is this? So I checked it out and uh, it wasn't fun. I didn't like it. <laughs> now, mind you, like the circuit, uh, I guess I'll call it of friends, like there was a good 15, 20 of us. Like we go around and we play each other's games. Like we'd, we'd share all the way around. Like it was all you know, nice and easy within like a three block area. Okay. Everyone I know has played Shaq Fu. Not a single per- one of us, this whole thing, owned Shaq Fu. I don't know where we got this copy with someone rented it or or, 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 may- or maybe someone's cousin had it and they stole it. Who knows? We all play Shaq Fu, but not a single one of my friends owned this game. It's a, it's an anomaly. And did you play the Genesis version or the SNES version? Ge- the Genesis version. See, this is another one where I played the SNES version. I, I did lean more heavily toward SNES over Genesis, even though I loved my Genesis and played a ton of games on it. Uh, anytime a multi platinum or a multi-platinum talking albums here multi-platform game came out i i did oftentimes pick it up on the snes friend was what you know because obviously you do the same thing as we all do the same thing we go to friends house play games yeah. borrow games were your friends more nintendo or more sega because i had a pretty even split most of mine were heavily heavily nintendo heavily okay. nintendo yeah there is uh, one or two of my friends that owned a Genesis that were really big on the Genesis, but pretty much the rest of my circle that I that I would see on a you know weekly or daily basis at school or whatever, hanging out with them every now and then, uh, most of us were all SNES. So um, big, big Sega you see out here on the island. I mean, like to the fact that I play every Sega thing along the way, like the 32X, Sega CD, the whole shebang, uh, the Dreamcast, the Saturn. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I played them all as well, but I, I rented a lot of those. Con- 
uh, platforms from the uh, the video store when they used to let you do that. We didn't even learn that until late until the, the cycle where these things were getting closed down. You could rent out the entire. <laughs> yeah, that, that that or my parents knew and just were, were holding. Never, it never wanted to tell you. Never wanted well, to tell you that. Yeah, that, that, that would require loving me, you know. Yeah. And I like that you chose that because um, it is a little bit of a uh, unsettling track and you do always like to try to get something in there in each episode I like cre- that. Creepy, so. scary, spooky. Yeah, the lab. Like, I mean, what would you tell? Yeah, it's called the lab. What would you expect? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go back to the uh, Super Nintendo to arguably what is one of the biggest releases to come out in 1994. And this is not a troll move. You know, it's not, I'm not leading into like uh, Barty Dinosaur Adventure. Uh, like you did there with Shaq Fu uh, from Final Fantasy 6 the name of this track is Kefka
And that was Kefka from Final Fantasy VI, which released April 2nd, 1994 on the SNES over in Japan. We would actually get it just a couple months later here in North America, October 11th, 1994. That was composed by the legendary Nobuo Yumatsu. And as we know, Kefka is one of the leading villains in Final Fantasy VI, actually one of the only villains that Frank was aware of before he started playing I, the Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Well, he, honestly, he's so iconic that it's hard for you not to know who he is, even if you don't play these games. Yeah, he's, you know, the the jester looking character that literally just wants to see the world destroyed. That's why we relate. And it true for you. <laughs> but, you know, spoiler alert, the game is, you know, going on 30 years old in another four years. Uh, he does succeed halfway through. And that's when the game totally changes. And, and Final Fantasy VI is such a magical game. It is such a masterclass of a game for JRPGs. You know, oftentimes considered one of the best of the best right up there with Chrono Trigger, which would follow a year later in 1995 on the SNES. Um, damn, what a, like I said, what a, what two phenomenal years for, for Square Enix to have these back-to-back games. Uh, you know, they, they could only dream of, of doing something like that now. <laughs> can we, yeah, I, I was going to say, can we do that in 2020 and 2021? Would that be, that yeah, be nice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I just had to quickly check. Chrono Trigger initially released in Japan March 11th, 1995. We would see it here in North America August 11th, 1995. So, uh, yeah, just crazy that literally that was not even a year later uh, that, that Chrono Trigger was coming out after Final Fantasy VI these two masterclass games and if they could achieve that now it would be something truly special but what I like about Kefka is that the track not the character I do love the character as well but the track itself it, it does have that like uh, over the top big top circusy feel Car- to yeah, it like his car- carnivalish, ish definitely jester but also at the same time more like a carnival of horrors type of a feel to it as well because he is a villain a bad guy and, and it, you do kind of get that aspect from that track. W- w- would you say it's the Dark Carnival? I wouldn't go whoop whoop, it's the Dark Carnival, no. <laughs> I don't know how many juggalos and juggalettes we have that listen to BG Mania. Probably zero. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't insult the family. Okay. I'm yeah. pouring something out for you right now, fam. Yeah. The Fago. They're like the biggest gang in the world. Don't, don't insult them. But they'll cut us. Uh, no, I'm not insulting them. I, what? I, you, you, you know, you and I do enjoy some ICP and Twisted. Like, that. that is a guilty pleasure of both of us. Uh, I, I do, 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 do enjoy it. I... <laughs> there was a time that I listened to them a lot but not so much anymore. The only reason they're not tattooed all over my body is because I haven't gotten that drunk yet. <laughs> but yeah, man, such a great game. Obviously very iconic. Would love to see this one get remade in the same way that uh, Final Fantasy VII is getting remade in, in literally just uh, well, two short I months. April 10th. I, I decreed four first, okay? Nah, man, six. Six, six needs it more than four. I, I would play six as well. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I'd love to see that opera scene and so many things Can just done imagine? in in the way that they're doing it with uh, with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Man, Brian, that, that might make me break down and cry. It would be so good. It'd be so funny. I mean, good. I mean, I mean, I've never cried. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, I, I joked earlier, but this is really, again, one of the bigger games from 94. I think it's a game I think that everybody I knew owned, uh, except for me, because I was poor. Um, this is from a little game called Lion King, the Super Nintendo version. This is the return to Pride Rock.
and that was the return to Pride Rock from the Lion King Super Nintendo version. Uh, came out October 1994. I have a litany of composers on this one as well. I have Patrick Collins, Zach Bremer, John Wright, Dwight Okahara, and the awesomely named Frank Kalpaki. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't uh, really able to find a breakdown of composers for the Lion King, the SNES version. Genesis version was easy, but the SNES version, for whatever reason, had a crap ton of composers on it. I was telling Brian, I said, I said earlier, everybody had this game on, on both the Super Nintendo and the Genesis, except for me. I, yeah, but my parents didn't get me the Lion King game. They got me Aladdin for Genesis. And the next door neighbor girl had it on Super Nintendo, so I played those constantly. Uh, I had both Aladdin and Lion King. Those are two games that I did own. Uh, super fun games. But like this one was constantly being just borrowed from people left and right. Um, in fact, I think someone took my copy of Mario 3 for like a year and it like broke my heart because that's my game of games. <laughs> and it is. Yeah, it still is. I, I, no, absolutely. It is. Yeah. Um, like it, that's my game, and like I was like, yo, take your Lion King back, give me my Mario Three, and then that, and then returning that, I he's like, oh, I lent it out to so and so for this game, and he gave me the he gave me his game. I really had to, like chase around to get my stuff back. <laughs> the, the great Mario Three hunt. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I like about uh, Return to Pride Rock is that it sounds like whoever composed this out of all those composers that you mentioned, it's very Disney and they did a great job actually making it sound like it could have been from because this track is not featured at the movie and no. or the at the animated film, I should say, because there actually is a, a live I, action I, movie of it. Now. I, I avoid I avoided grabbing things like be prepared and stuff because I didn't want to put something straight from the, the movie. Well, that's the same reason what I did with WWF Raw earlier. The reason of why course, I chose yeah. that one's because it was an original composition and not like just somebody's entrance music. So oftentimes we, you know, we joke around about things being the Dark Souls of this or the Dark Souls of that, but really the Lion King was a a Dark Souls light game on the Super Nintendo. I, I, one of the hardest, maybe Dark, Dark Souls is the Lion King of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe not as hard as like um, Super Ghouls and Ghosts and stuff like that, but it is often remembered as one of the most challenging games on the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. It's it's difficult as hell. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if I ever beat this. I, I, I had have. to. I, I've had to have. beat this game. I mean, for, for the amount of time I had this game, I had to have been this. I'll ask Nicole. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've definitely uh, I've definitely finished this game and I do uh, because they did put out a compilation recently uh, of the Lion King and Aladdin. You know, they kind of put both of them together. I do still want to pick that up on the Switch. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I was going to get it last year when it came out. I'll ask her if she's beaten it. I doubt. Yeah, check it out. Uh, I, I was going to pick it up last year when it came out, but for whatever reason, I didn't. Um, I'm probably going to wait for it to go on sale and then I'll just pick it up and blast of those games again because it is always fun to take a trip down memory lane. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Super Nintendo, though, for my track. You know, we're getting closer and closer to the end. We have five tracks total left, uh, but I'm sticking with the Super Nintendo with a game that you actually did mention earlier. We are going to Earthbound. The name of this track is Smiles and Tears. I've been waiting to play this one.
And that was Smiles and Tears from Earthbound, which released August 27th, 1994 in Japan. We would eventually see it June 5th, 1995 here in North America. So it does qualify since it originally released in Japan in 94. As I guess that's got to be the original territory it first released in. Uh, composed by Kaichi Suzuki and the wonderful Hirokazo Hip Tanaka. Uh, Smiles and Tears is actually something, like I said, right before we started playing that, I've been waiting to play this track. I actually had this penciled in for our uh, emotions of sadness, our emotional episode that we did, uh, you know, over over a year ago. And well, actually, might actually might be a, almost a year to the day. I think we did that in what the early parts of I think right around Valentine's Day of, sure, of 2019. Yeah. We did that. So, um, yeah, a little bit a little bit under over a year ago. But uh, I actually had this penciled in at one point to play on that episode because it is an emotional track. It's very, very touching. It plays at an emotional moment of the game. You know, you know, we did come back in before the track ended because the track is six minutes long and I didn't want to play the entire thing with with us not coming back in. But as you're going to hear us talking or you'll hear in the track as we talk about it uh, at the very end of it you know it even goes I miss you like this is an emotional part of the game it's it's really sad it's just touching man like Kaichi Suzuki and Hirokazu Tanaka they absolutely nailed this track they nailed this soundtrack too uh, you you had mentioned that while we were listening to this like this might be the best thing we hear all day and uh, it, it probably might be <laughs> you know what for, for such an emotional track I was still smiling ear to ear the whole time listening to it like this is well it's in the name it of the is, track Frank it's called Smiles a, and Tears <laughs> you're uh, smiling and crying baby smiling and crying <laughs> uh, I think it's the best thing we've heard all day so far uh, yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoy this one. Yeah, Earthbound definitely one of the uh, the biggest releases to happen in 1994. Obviously, I said that about Final Fantasy VI as well, but Earthbound definitely up there too. Um, Dan, a fellow uh, staff member here at uh, Level Down Games, he uh, his favorite game of all time, or one of his favorite games of all time, is actually Earthbound. I've watched him play a good chunk of it on his birthday. <laughs> and I'm uh, very much looking forward to that localized release of Mother 3, which is still rumored to be coming on Nintendo Switch. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get a, a Mother 4 at some point as well. That'd be really cool. Stealth Drop, next direct, come on. Stealth Drop, baby. And no, it's, it's totally going to happen. When they do it, it will be a, it will be a Shadow Drop. It, absolutely. Absolutely will be. All right. For my next pick, I'm doing something we don't normally do. I'm actually going to go for an educational game because, you know, I'm all about the education and learning. Okay. <laughs> From a game called Mario's Early Years, on with letters. This is Yoshi, number two. Thank you. 
And that was Mario's Early Years, Fun with Letters, uh, which came out October 1994 on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it was composed by Rob Wallace and Sam Powell. Um, yeah, this this was like an era where there was a lot of educational Mario games. This was out in 94. So was um, Mario's Time Machine, if, if I'm not mistaken. Mario's Time Machine, typing with Mario probably was somewhere around that I'm, time I'm, period. I'm, I'm, even, I'm even willing to bet that Mario was missing is somewhere in this ether. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Carmen Sandiego was popular around that time as well on PCs. Uh, you know, there's a lot of educational stuff out there. Uh, yeah. What I like about this is that we're hearing two composers that really have nothing to do with Nintendo in Rob Wallace and Sam Powell, as you mentioned, remixing the classic Yoshi tune from Super Mario World. It's crazy. Like they, they do these kinds of things. These are games, though, that uh, like a lot of these educational games. I rented them all uh, and at 12 years old, you're too, I'm too old to play an educational game, but I have little sisters and she was like, that was the excuse. Like, hey, we'll play this together. Um, Did this come out in North America? Fun with letters. I'm pretty sure. I know for sure Mario is missing was out because I rented the hell out of them. I want to say I played this, but I could be wrong. OK, yeah, because I can't remember um, when I was when I obviously I look into everything as we as we put our, our stuff together. And I can't remember if this actually came out in. I'm actually looking now in North America. You have me questioning my reality as well. You know, we don't want to go down that whole Mandela effect uh, rabbit hole again. Well, it does say it just says um, it just says October 1994. So it, it does look like it may have came out here. Yeah, no, North America, 1994. Yeah. OK. OK. It did come out here. I more I more clearly remember Mario was missing. I mean, Mario is Missing I actually played a lot of. I used to rent that one regularly for some reason. I got some sick enjoyment out of that game. I don't know why I liked it as much as I did. It was a good game. It was. I actually like educational games. Like That's probably a good idea for an episode in the future. I'm, I'm big on Carmen Sandiego. In fact, I'm staring at a, Car I'm staring at a Carmen Sandiego fungal pop as I say that. Um, yeah, I'll schedule that in. That'd be fun. We'll, uh, we'll do like an educational game uh, episode at some point in the future. That'd be fun. And if you have an educational game of your own that you like that you know you want to hear us feature it's bg mania at leveldowngames.com that's right no uh no guarantee when we'll actually put that episode into the calendar but uh but, but you, you throw things out there there'll be an ether they'll give us things to you know they'll yeah. inspire us yeah i definitely uh move things around and obviously uh play around with our with our schedule of events all the time so something might happen that uh makes the educational episode worth doing who knows sometime in the next few weeks or months i have no idea but yeah we'll uh we'll do we'll work on that but i did enjoy that track it was obviously fun hearing a little bit of a different remix to that yoshi theme and uh from a game that i've never personally played so brian here with bg mania leveldowngames.com is quickly growing but with your help and support we can continue expanding our footprint in the gaming industry at an even faster rate if you're unfamiliar we do more than just audio podcasts all of our content can be found on our main home on the internet, including new weekly episodes of both BG Mania and Max Level, alongside reviews for the newest release games and accessories, weekly editorial articles, and daily news stories. If you aren't yet visiting leveldowngames.com daily, now is the time. We went through a massive redesign for the beginning of the year, everything is much easier to find, and it looks like a million dollars. Thanks for all the continued support as we continue to expand our presence in the industry with leveldowngames.com. I got a fun one coming up, though, man. I got a Genesis version or not a Genesis version, a Genesis exclusive game that uh, has a cool composer and a cool little history behind it that I'm not sure if you're even aware of being a big fan of this composer's other game series. Okay, I'm excited what you got. From Pulse Man, this is Neo Tokyo. 
was Neo Tokyo from Pulse Man, which came out July 22nd, 1994 in Japan. We would later see it in North America sometime in 1995. It was actually included as part of the Sega channel, much like uh, a game that it is very much inspired by, as Frank found out by looking into the gameplay, Mega Man The Wily Wars. Yes. (laughs) Which was also exclusive to the Sega channel here in North America. Uh, Again, this was published by Sega on the Genesis, but it was developed by Game Freak, who would later go on to Pokemon fame. And this was composed by the Pokemon composer Junichi Masuda. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this is something that they did before they had anything to do with Nintendo. They actually made like a little... uh, Pokemon Red and Blue was 96 in Japan, so this was right before. Yeah, this was right before they started working with Nintendo on that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, just being able to do something with Sega, like, like obviously this is definitely inspired by Mega Man. The gameplay looks very similar. The villain looks very similar to Dr. Wily. Uh, a lot of things share some similarities, but the soundtrack is pretty freaking good, man. Junichi Masuda is a good composer. We know that based off of all the stuff he's done with Pokemon. So hearing this and then obviously with a name like Neo Tokyo just really captures that feel, I guess, of like a, like a cyberpunk-esque type of a setting. I had to look him up while we were doing that. So the first thing he did with the Nintendo was actually the Yoshi game. 
which in 90, was in 91 just shared okay. Yoshi okay the uh, the one that was just called Yoshi and then he also did Mario and Wario okay so this was after I guess he had already done work with Nintendo but they weren't like exclusive to Nintendo at the time no those were his two and then Pulse Man and then Pokemon Red and Blue and then it's been pretty much Pokemon from there on out and I think it's been totally exclusive to Nintendo from there on out so uh, this, like this, <laughs> this this might be the only one where they deviated and actually joined the uh, the opposition for a game so that's actually kind of neat but yeah what a great rock and track well but but, but he's he's home where he belongs with us in pokemon in, in, in the poke universe <laughs> on the isle of armor later this uh june i cannot wait that's gonna be a good birthday present for me but you know and it's, it's gonna be a nice relaxing time you know what i do like you know what i do to relax What's that, Frank? I listen to video game music. I was gonna say I was, I was gonna make a golf joke, but I don't golf. I was gonna say you don't golf. I was I was waiting to hear the jokes. I know what you have coming up. I was like, there's no way you're gonna say you go out golfing because you don't freaking golf. <laughs> no. I personally like golf, though. I am a big fan of golf. I like golf. I, I am a mini golf aficionado, just not in this weather. It is too cold out, Brian, and the wind has been killer. Um, but from a a little known golf game called Kirby's Dream Course, this is the first hole. That was the first hole from Kirby's Dream Course, which came out September 21st, 1994 in Japan. And we released here February 1st, 1995, composed by Hirokazu Ando. Who is the pretty much Kirby composer. Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, known for Kirby music. And it's so funny because this being a Kirby golf game, 
any Kirby game, man, they really don't have bad music. You'd be hard pressed to find a bad one. I bet you there is one out there, but uh, there's probably a few, but it, it, they're far and few between. You'd have to literally just go you know, hunt for it. Um, Herbie, blah, 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 blah. Kirby, Kirby was a car, Frank. Yes, he was. Um, I bought this game as a kid, not knowing anything about it. I bought it because Kirby was on the cover. I didn't even know what Dream Course meant. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know it was a, a golfing game, nothing like that. Just bought this game and was a little upset at first. I was like, ah, this is because you know, I'm a Kirby guy. But uh, I've grown to love it. This is one of the this is one of the few games that like my sisters would fight me for Super Nintendo time on. Like I you know, uh, really enjoyed this, and I was glad that when they released the SNES Classic, they included Kirby Stream Course on there. It's it's a good game. Like I said, I just I was disappointed at first, but that fell by the wayside pretty quickly. Like I said, it's no, it's it's a, it's a fun golf game. It's a fun game in general, and the entire soundtrack really is like very joyous, very up. Uplifting, uh, dude. It's just, it's really good. It, Hirokazu Ando, man, he just did a great job with this particular soundtrack. And golf games, oftentimes, unless they're like fun golf games like this, like Mario Golf and that kind of stuff, uh, they don't have like the most amazing of soundtracks. So the fact that this one does, I appreciate that a lot. I, it's gonna sound weird, but I always thought of this like as like the NBA Jam of golf. Okay. If that makes sense, like because there's like power ups along the way and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, no, that makes make that makes sense to me. That, that's how that's how I always talk about this game, and I love it. I, again, I'm glad this is on the SNES Classic because now I got my sisters playing it, you know, in their own homes and not taking my copy, which is sitting on the shelf happily. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I think there's one thing you guys have learned to me over the years is uh, I don't like to share. Frank is Frank is not a sharer. <laughs> my video games, they belong to me. That's right. <laughs> But uh, I do have the honor of closing out our 1994 episode, and I went with one of my favorite JRPG franchises that I wish Capcom would bring back. Uh, they're stupid that they haven't so far. Uh, we're going to Breath of Fire 2, which came out December 2nd, 1994 in Japan, so just barely making the cut. North America would see it a year later, December 10th, 1995. The name of the track is We're Rangers, and and it just it, it you get that feeling of you're about to set out. I say this a lot on a grand adventure like that's literally what this track instills in me while listening to it. It's probably my favorite actual track from Breath of Fire 2. It just it encapsulates everything it is to have an adventure in a JRPG. I've never played this game. I, I, I wouldn't it. assume you would. I, I, I wouldn't assume that you would. But I know but you're familiar with the franchise. Super familiar with the franchise because this is another one of those ones that was like a cult of personality. Everybody had this game. Yeah, no, Breath of Fire 2, uh, actually, well, really the entire Breath of Fire franchise. Like I said, it, it's so surprising to me that, you know, with with how well JRPGs are doing now, Capcom has been so reluctant to to bring this back. You would think they would at least try. I mean, I know they put one out on mobile devices a few years they back. Can they can work with Nintendo and put out Breath of the Fire. Breath of the Fire. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Lingo gets some, some travel companions. Only if Linkle is playable, though. I want to play as Linkle. I do. I want to play Linkle as well. So I can jump off a cliff. <laughs> 
No, Legal's a great character. But yeah, we're going to close out with some Breath of Fire 2, some JRPG nostalgia. Uh, phenomenal track. Definitely stick around, listen to the whole thing. Uh, I do think you guys are really going to enjoy it. But unfortunately, Frank, that is going to bring us to the close of the episode this week, unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here. Uh, just that we love each and every one of you, and I absolutely love all the positive attention we've been getting as of late. Uh, keep it up. And uh, some letters with my name in it as well. This way Brian can read them on the episode and realize you will love me as well. <laughs> Yeah, 2019 was a really big year for us in terms of podcast growth. You know, we saw a lot of advertisers reaching out. You know, we we jumped up thousands upon thousands of downloads every single week for both Max Level and BG Mania. But 2020 looks like it's going to be really, really, really strong for us as well. I'm so excited to see what the rest of the the year has in store. Literally, what? It's February 9th as of the time of recording. We're recording this Sunday evening and uh, we have basically 11 months to go and truly the sky is the limit for us this year in terms of our two shows, but also leveldowngames.com. We we did make a, a goal at the beginning of the year that this was the year that we were going to turn our website into something very profitable. We're already on the way to doing that with Kyle and I putting up editorials every single week. We got the rumor review going up every Friday. We got reviews going up all the time. Dan's writing reviews now on a regular basis. We're bringing worry, in more Frank, people. Fra- Frank will work on the merch. Frank, Frank is doing basically nothing. But... <laughs> <laughs> taking up the space but no frank is obviously helping out tremendously with the uh with the podcasting side of things and uh yeah man like i said the sky's the limit for us so we're bringing in more and more people to help out with us uh, with with level down games and you know at one point we'll have an entire staff of people that i don't even know like people that just applied and got the job yeah, everyone that works with us right now are people that i somehow have a connection to from from the past that are all just uh wanted to be a part of the industry but yeah, it's, it's been fun. So thanks everyone for your support, as Frank said. And obviously, like I said, for helping us set a new daily download record for BG Mania last week. Let's try to do that again. Let's do that every single week. Let's set a new daily download record every single week. <laughs> But that is going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by leveldowngames.com. Don't forget to submit tracks, ideas, and requests for future episodes to bgmania at leveldowngames.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash leveldowngames and subscribe to us there. And if you haven't already, while you're at it, hit up twitch.tv forward slash leveldowngames and click that follow button. Also, do me a favor, support our other Level Down Games guy we talk about often here on the show, Dan, twitch.tv forward slash crazedd11, K-R-A-I-Z-D-1-1. Go check him out on Twitch. He's a variety streamer. He streams a multitude of things over there. If you're in our Discord server, which we'll pimp here in a minute, you can also see every time he goes live over there as well. Uh, Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook would be the place to do so. Check that description box for the appropriate links. And as I just mentioned in that description box, you will find a link to our Discord server. Click it, join it, and interact with us. We want every single listener of BG Mania, every listener of Max Level, every reader of leveldowngames.com to be in our Discord server interacting with us. You know, I see these numbers that we're getting on a weekly basis, and I see that we literally have 0.0001% of our audience in our Discord server. So if you're out there, make a Discord account, interact with us. We really want to get to know each and every one of you Play to with the us. best. That, that, yeah, exactly. Who We would like to play 
Wii, the old Wii U, uh, the, the, the Wii commercials. You know, we don't have, a, we have a decent amount of people on our Discord server, but we don't have a lot. Don't be shy. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid to come in there and interact with at, us. At me, dog. I'll respond to you. Yeah, you got to actually tag Frank if you want him to respond. But everyone else, myself, Dan, Kyle, Sean, we're all in there on a literally hourly basis interacting with you if you're interacting with us. And we want to have a lot of fun. So don't be afraid that if we have a lot of people in there, we won't have time to interact with you. We will. We spend a lot of time cherishing our audience and trying to build this up to be something that we could only dream of it being. So come into Discord, interact with us, be a lot of fun. Next week on the show, Frank, I want to I want you to tell me what this is based on the title of next week's podcast. You know the title, like what, what we named okay, the episode. Okay, okay. Next week's title is The Sacred and Divine. What are we doing next week? The Sacred and Divine. We are doing church music. That is correct. We are doing music from shrines, sanctuaries, churches, and temples found in video games. Brian, you don't know what Pandora's box you've just opened. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. I've wanted to I literally have an entire playlist of this type of music saved. Every time I go through a soundtrack looking for music for an episode, if there's like church music or temple music or sanctuary music or shrine music, I always save it to that playlist. So I have so many of these types of tracks saved. I don't even have to do any research. I already know like the ones I'm going to play. Allow, I'm going to allow a repeat on that episode as well. It's uh, I'm making the official ruling right now which uh, uh, you're thinking something with time in sanctuary oh no see that doesn't count i'm I'm joking i'm joking that Uh, i was gonna say that doesn't count that's just the name of a track but i I thought you were i thought you were thinking i thought you were thinking temple of time and i don't want to allow that no repeats no no repeats next week no repeats part of the fun is not picking a repeat so exactly that that's what makes us here uh unique at bg mania we rarely do repeats on our on our episodes so yeah the sacred and divide next week in order for a track to qualify it's got to come from a shrine a sanctuary a church or a temple found in a video game taking us out of this episode once again we have we're rangers from breath of fire 2 i never even mentioned the composer i don't think uh composed by yuko takahara again it released december 2nd 1994 in japan and one year later in snes so since i didn't mention him before i'll mention it again yuko takahara composing we're rangers for breath of fire 2 keep the music playing and keep it loud